0: Lord Jesus, we just sang what always hits me, just some of the most powerful words that I am completely underdressed, Lord. Even in my best, I fall completely short of what should be allowed to, to feast with the king. Lord, I fall so short of perfection, yet you come and dine with me. You come and you meet with your people not because of the good things we've done, but because of your grace towards us. Lord, we are so immensely grateful. We recognize that it's by your grace, and we pray that you would just continue to come and meet with us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good seats are hard to come by. What I want to do this morning is is kick off something that I hope becomes a yearly thing for us. I would love for every January to be a time where we come and we focus on evangelism, uh, the mission that God has given us. Uh, I want it to become a part of our culture, uh, something that just becomes more natural for us. And one of the best ways to begin that is to have it be something that we talk about regularly. One of the ways that we've started doing this is every month, what's that question that we ask? Who are your three? That's an evangelistic question. Who are the three people that you're praying for, that you're looking for opportunity with? And it started to become a part of our culture where it's the language that we use and it's pretty natural. And so what I wanna do is every January as we start the new year, come and look in different ways at the mission that God has given us, evangelism. Let me start by asking this question. What is evangelism? It's a like big cool sounding word, but like what is it? What does it mean? It's going to be a long morning. To share your faith. Okay, to share your faith. Ministering to, those who don't know Jesus. ministering to those that don't know Jesus. Good. What is evangelism? Okay, loving people. What else? Okay, sharing the good news of the gospel, kind of part A and part B, giving people an opportunity to respond to the good news. Okay, anything else? Telling your story. Okay, telling your story. Good, telling the story of how God has moved in your life to people. Good. Good. Anything else? Helping to, increase other people's faith. Helping to increase other people's faith, okay? Anything else? This word evangelist, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. And I don't know if you've noticed, but over the past probably 10 years, even like the world has started to grab a hold of this world. Have you heard of an Apple evangelist? It's an actual thing. Like, it's actually a position at Apple, and a lot of people consider themselves an Apple evangelist because they're there to tell the good news of the iPhone. And I'm, we're joking, but I'm not joking. Like, that, that's, it's a literal title that they have because they say, we have the best news anyone looking for a phone could ever ask for, and it's the iPhone. And so they have evangelists that go to places and they preach the good news of the iPhone. Obviously, in church, we look at it and we go, "Ah, not quite, but they're trying. They get the idea, though, of we have something that we think would make someone's life better. And it's our job to let them know about it, not just to wait for them to come to us, but it's our job to go to them and tell them the good news, even as silly as about the iPhone. But they start to grasp it a little bit, to take the good news that we have received out into the world. I believe that it is God's desire for us to be an evangelizing people. This is who he has called us to be, is a people that evangelize, that partner with the king in his mission. But if I'm honest, we're not all that great at it, at least not regularly. Some more than others, most of us, and listen, when I say us, I mean myself, in with you, we struggle with evangelism. We've taken a number of surveys over the last couple years as a church that kind of go, okay, how are we doing in this area and this area? And when it comes to the area of evangelism, we always mark ourselves pretty low and go, this, is a, this area is a struggle for me. When it comes to just coming and doing church things, we get that. When it comes to going and telling people the good news, self-admittedly, it's a struggle for us. And so what I want to do by kind of kicking off this January's look at evangelism is I want to look at six potential obstacles that we need to overcome if we're actually going to grow in evangelism. I think there's six basic things, and there may be some others that we could add to this list, but this six starts to give us an idea of some areas where we kind of trip over this, where we struggle, and if we're actually going to move forward and become the evangelizing people that I believe God has called us to be, we're going to have to find a way to overcome some of these obstacles. Some may struggle with all six. Some may just have kind of one that they tend to trip over, or a few. It's not that we all have all of them or we have none of them. But as we go through this, I I would ask that you just kind of be asking the Lord, would you show me what are some of the obstacles I trip over when it comes to evangelism, sharing the good news with those that don't have it? In coming weeks, we're going to look more specifically at some tools and some how-tos. But this week, I kind of just want to point out and recognize, like, let's just get out on the carpet. Here's some areas where we struggle. And then in the coming weeks, we'll go, okay, how do we begin to overcome these things? Does that make sense, church? Okay, so let's begin to look. Six potential obstacles uh, that trip us up when it comes to evangelization. The first one is a lack of clarity. Have you ever gone, man, okay, so... I know that I'm supposed to like share the gospel with somebody, but like what counts? What what exactly am I supposed to say? And 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 how do I how do I kind of get into it? What do people need to hear? What counts as the gospel? Sometimes we don't have clarity on this. Let me ask this question. What is the gospel? We've talked about this before, you know, as a church, but for many of us it's still not, it's not crystal clear. What is the gospel? It's the good news that people need to hear. We just said it. What is it? Nutshell it for me. You know what I mean? Even if you just have a piece of it, you don't have to like stand up and cite the whole thing. What are the pieces or the parts of the gospel that people need to hear? Jesus died in our place. Okay, Jesus died in our place. leave some leave some for everyone else <laughs> she's been yelled at for this before okay but where she started was with the idea that like we were created to be with god but we rebelled what, what do we call that rebellion in church sin we, we were created to be with god but but we sinned against him what else pieces of the gospel Okay. We were meant to be with God. We chose sin. We chose rebellion. We turned our backs on Him. And there's nothing we can do to earn our way back. You can't be good enough. You can't be. And so someone had to come and take our place, and that was Jesus. Anything else? Okay. You know what I mean? like, yeah. How does that apply to Yeah. So, sharing the gospel isn't just maybe telling somebody, okay, look at this Bible verse and this Bible verse. Here's this thing that happened way back then, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, but part of it may also be look at what result that's had in my life. Look at how Jesus has transformed me, has brought life where there was death, for people to actually be able to see the gospel lived out in your life. Okay? Anything else? (laughs) Something about a kingdom and a king. There is a kingdom, and that kingdom has a king. That king is Jesus, and one day he's coming again. Okay? Good. You start to see it. Like, man, you could go a lot of different directions, and some of you even have some other things rattling around, and you're going, that seems pretty important, but, like, is it gospel-level important, or is it, like, And we can struggle with this. It can be tough for us to have clarity on what the gospel is. And until we have clarity on what that gospel message is, we're going to struggle to do what we're called to do. So Sometimes we don't have clarity on like, but how do I say it? Like, how do I get into a conversation? Because it feels weird for somebody talking to you about last night's football game, and you're like, yeah, Jesus died for your sin. Like, None of us want to do that. But, and we're scared that that's like what it's going to be like if we try. And so we go, how do I even, maybe I have an idea of what I'm supposed to say, but how do I get into the conversation? We don't have clarity on that. How, how do I steer a conversation? Are there certain questions I should be asking or key phrases I'm looking for? And we feel like there's a secret out there and we don't know it. And when we have a lack of clarity, it moves us into our second obstacle. We have a lack of confidence. We, we, we're not sure exactly what we should say or how exactly we should say it. Our confidence is shaken, and anything we don't feel confident in, we're going to struggle with, correct? I mean, we know that any of you that ever played sports in your life, anyone that's taking the field or the court going, oh, man, they picked me. I don't know if I want to go in. Is it going to go well? Not at all. Many of us, this is the way we feel when it comes to evangelizing or sharing the gospel we go, man, I, I feel under-equipped. I I I don't have confidence. And so what do we do most of the time? We don't have confidence in something. We, we don't do it. We turn and run away. We lack confidence. We start asking questions like, but what if I mess up? What if I what if I leave a part out? What if I say something that I wasn't supposed to say? What if I what if I offend the person? Because I mean, let's be honest, even the, the scriptures say the gospel is offensive to people, right? What if I come to somebody and I go, hey, you were created to be with God, but like all of us, you sinned. And they go, who do you think you are? Now, here's the thing. I will tell you, I've never had that happen in my life, but we all play that scenario out in our heads. What if I offend the person? What if they ask a question that I can't answer? What if they go, oh, yeah, well, how come good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? I don't have a great ready-made answer for that. No, so I'll rather just not get into it at all. We lack confidence, and so we don't step into those. There's, there's a passage real quick that I want to look at where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking about, hey, there's going to come a day when you're not going to know what to say. There is going to be no smooth way into it. Like, Actually, he's saying you're going to be like arrested for your faith, and some bad stuff's going to come. But listen to what he says to them. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you should speak. For you will be given what to say at that hour. Because you are not speaking, but the Spirit of your Father is speaking through you. He told them, like, look, it's not about you getting it exactly right. The Holy Spirit is going to give you what to say. He's actually going to be speaking through you. But many of us don't have confidence in that. We haven't really put our weight on that to test it yet. And it's a scary thing. And so we we ask those questions like, but will he really give me what I need to say? Will he really open the door? We lack confidence. We hear this verse, but oftentimes the division of labor isn't very clear. What part is God's and what part is ours? We tend to take too much responsibility. And that's a scary place to be because we go, I can't change their life. I can't always word it perfectly every single time. And so we begin to shake in fear. The third obstacle, a lack of calling. Let me ask you this question. Whose job is it in the church to evangelize? The preachers? The church? church? Everyone's? Those are very different answers. Uh, for, For years, and we've talked about this before, what you've been taught most likely in the church that you attended growing up or whatever is that that's the professional Christian's job. Your job is to invite people to church. It's the preacher's job to get them saved. Guess where you won't find that? The Bible, okay? That is a completely unbiblical thing. It is all of our job to present the good news of the gospel to our friends, to our family, to our loved ones. And it has always been There's this idea in the scripture called the priesthood of all believers, which means if you're a follower of Jesus, Peter says, then you're part of a royal priesthood. What did a priest do? He represented God to the people, right? And Peter uses that same imagery and he goes, every single son and daughter of the king is a priest called to represent the king to the people called to share the good news, called to help show people what the Father is really like. Many of us didn't really receive that calling. And what I mean by that is this, it's a discipleship problem. Many of us were told when we were uh, told the gospel, it was like, hey, Jesus can make your life better. Hell sounds scary, right? Jesus can make you go to heaven. And we go, wow, that's awesome. And then we come into church and we have someone stand up and say, now here's a list of things you need to do. And we go, whoa, that's not what I signed up for. We have a discipleship problem. We've somehow separated the gospel from the mission. You can be a follower of Jesus and not have to be anything like Jesus and do what Jesus did. But again, that's not the message we find in the scriptures. We are all called. Some of us didn't hear it until it's too late. And so we came in and we're going, man, was this a bait and switch? That, that's not what I was told. We have all been called to evangelize, to share the good news, to to take part in the mission with our king. Every single one of us that calls Jesus king is called to do what the king did. And what he did was he came to share the good news of the kingdom of God with people. And we are all called. Let me ask this question, and it might be a weird one. Is it wrong to evangelize? Cause there's, a, there's a growing belief in the church, the global church around the world, that it's actually wrong to evangelize because it's kind of imposing our views on other people. And it should be freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And so who are we to tell other people what they should believe? There's this growing movement in, in the global church. I, I heard... Earlier this week in Canada, and Canada is considered about 10 years ahead of the the United States when it comes to like a post-Christian culture, The the church had a lot of influence there and the church has been losing influence, and they're considered about 10 years ahead of us. And there was a poll done in Canada of pastors. They asked uh, lead pastors and then like youth pastors, is it wrong to share the gospel? I guess they might've asked, is it right to share the gospel? Is that something we're called to do? 40% of youth pastors said it's wrong. It's, it's imposing our view, and so who are we to tell people what to believe? If they hear it somehow, some way, and come to the church and want to grow, awesome, but like that's not really our job. Almost 30% of lead pastors said the same thing. I hope that's no one in here today, and if it is, I'm just going to tell you flat out biblically, that is not the truth. We are all called to share the gospel. It is not imposing ourselves to offer someone life. To offer someone that's drowning a life preserver, how dare you impose safety on them? It's their God-given right to drown if they want to. Yeah, give them a hand. Like, we are called to take the good news, the news of life to those that don't have it, every single one of us. Two very famous passages, one, the Great Commission Jesus in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came near and he said to them, them being his disciples, his followers, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What does that mean? Jesus is saying, look, I'm the boss. I'm in charge. Like what I say goes. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. And here's his following words. Go, therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's no wiggle room there. Jesus says, I'm the boss. Therefore, because I'm the boss, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them, seeing people move from death to life, and then discipling them, teaching them to follow. And the promise, I am with you to the very end of the age. In Acts chapter 1, some of the last words we have recorded of Jesus, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Not you might be, or some of you would be, or you could be if you want. You will receive my Holy Spirit, those that follow me, and you will be my witnesses. That is his charge to us, that is his promise to us. We have all been called to share the good news. Is this making sense, church? The fourth obstacle that we have to overcome, a lack of conviction. And what I mean by this when I say a lack of conviction is really it's kind of a lack of belief. For some of us, we we ask this question, and maybe we don't ask it on the surface, but if we really look, this question is underlying, is is evangelism really worth prioritizing? Is it really worth saying no to other things? so that I could say yes to this? Is it really worth the cost? Tom Rainier, in his book, Sharing the Gospel with Ease, says this. Here's the simple reality. If we don't have time to share the gospel with people, it's because we don't make time to share the gospel. And if we don't make time to share the gospel, it means we don't think sharing the gospel is all that important. Many of us hear evangelism and sharing the gospel, and we go, that's great, but I've got so much going on. Like it's, we're going from one thing to the next and like I just don't have time. And what we're saying in that is the gospel is really not worth prioritizing. And listen, if at any point in time you start to feel guilt this morning, understand I have been praying against guilt for us this entire week. My, my hope is not to come up here and to guilt you into doing this thing that God told you to do. The enemy uses guilt. Conviction is this desire to change. Guilt is this, oh, I'm worthless. Like, If in any of the things that I'm sharing, you start to feel some guilt, no. A, that's not my heart, and B, that's not from the Lord. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. I'm trying to show you what we've been called to because I think that's where life is really found, is on mission with the King. So when I talk about this unwillingness to prioritize, I'm not trying to come and and just throw weight on you or whip your back. I'm trying to come and to call you into life. By prioritizing the things that God has called us to prioritize, we find life and meaning. By choosing ourselves what's most important and what's worth it, we tend to fall short. And we suffer and those around us suffer for it. Many of us lack conviction. Sometimes it's the conviction of like, is the word really true? Because we go, man, what if people don't want to hear it? What if it doesn't feel like good news to them? You guys know the word gospel literally means good news, right? Why do we treat it then like a cancer diagnosis? We treat it like we have to take the worst news in the world to people. And we kind of come in and like, oh, man, I really hate to tell you this, but Jesus loves you. I'm sorry. I know. It's too much. Do we even believe that it's good news? Do we have conviction that the word is true and that we have the best news life available to people. Because most often we do not treat it like that. I know I don't. I come in going, okay, how do I bring this up? And like, oh, I really kind of don't want to, but I know that I should. Do I really believe that it's good news? Do I have conviction that the word of God is true? Luke chapter 10, uh, verse two. You guys, how many of you know it, it, At 10.02, I have an alarm that goes off that reminds me to pray Luke 10.2. You've heard me talk about that before? First, let me share the verse, and then I'll share with you where most of my prayers begin. Luke chapter 10.2, Jesus talking. He says, he told them, the harvest is abundant and the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Most of my prayers start like this. Lord, if I'm honest, I don't believe that the harvest is ready. I don't believe that the harvest is abundant. I look around and I see hopelessness and I see people that I go, they don't really want this. That's my default place. I have to ask that question. Do I really believe that his word is true? That when the king says the harvest is abundant, he meant it. Because if not, I can pray all I want. Oh, Lord, send workers out into the harvest. But there's always something in me, and eye roll going, yeah, like they want that. Lord, if I'm honest, I don't believe that the harvest is ready. And I need you to change my heart. So for many, the previous obstacles aren't really the issue. If you've been going to church for a long time, you have some idea of what the gospel is. You have some idea of your calling. You know you're supposed to do it. In fact, that's why most of us carry some guilt whenever evangelism comes up is because we know we should. We know we're called to, but we also know that we don't. Most of us know these things. I think the fifth obstacle is a key one for many of us, it's a lack of courage. This is where I fall short. If there's a specific obstacle that I'm gonna trip over, it's gonna be this one. It's a lack of courage. It's not a, boy, I just don't know the words. It's a, I'm scared. What if the person goes, man, forget you. I don't wanna talk to you anymore. What if they, again, ask me a question that I don't know the answer to, and I look or feel silly. I lack courage, and so I don't share the gospel. I'm disobedient to him because of my lack of courage. This is one of the hardest things that I've written in a while, but I think that it has to be addressed. I think many of us need to recognize and deal with our embarrassment of Jesus. We need to just call it what it is. I'm embarrassed. And maybe you're going, look, I'm not embarrassed of him. My heart rate just goes through the roof and my palms get sweaty and I just start to get really flushed at the thought of somebody knowing that I'm a follower of his. Why do we get so nervous? Why do we... Is embarrassment at the root of it. To be associated with Jesus... There's a lot of things that people have already kind of gone, oh, Christians, and oh, and we're embarrassed. We need to recognize and deal with our embarrassment of Jesus if we're really going to grow in this. And maybe this isn't yours. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. And if so, that's fine, because I need it. Far too often, I'm embarrassed of him. And listen, there's, I'm going to read a passage here that is very heavy, but one that we need to deal with if this is you struggling with a lack of courage Jesus speaking, he says, for whoever is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. Like, there's a very real principle here. Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me now, I'll be ashamed of you later on that day, the most important day. And I don't think he's saying that to kind of go, we'll see, or to rub it in or twist the knife. He's going, look at if you're too embarrassed of me to live the life I'm calling you to live on this earth, do you really know me and are you really willing to follow me? And, and, and that's harsh. That's difficult. I wrestle with that. And I don't think it's like, oh man, if you've ever gotten nervous and missed an opportunity, Jesus is like, well, you're out, obviously. Man, he is so incredibly kind and gracious towards us, but I think this is something we need to wrestle with in our own hearts. Am I embarrassed of him? Am I ashamed of him? Is that why I get all sweaty and lost for words and my throat gets tight when I see a door opening and maybe I'm supposed to share something about Jesus? Everything in me is screaming, stop. What's behind that for me? It's it's shame. And that's not something he wants me to live with. That's something he's calling me to lay down and he wants to free me from. But the first step is I have to acknowledge it. The, the sixth obstacle, I think this is the most insidious of them all, and it's a lack of compassion. Before we get too serious, I would like, I don't know if you noticed, there's six C words there. I don't alliterate often, so this tells me the Holy Spirit was in this, okay? So listen up. Seriously, they were just coming to me, and I was like, do I even want to continue to go with C words? But, yeah, a lack of compassion Matthew 9, 36, we've ended uh, a number of our services reading this verse together. What is it that moved Jesus towards people? When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant and the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest." Compassion is what caused Jesus to move toward us, and compassion is what will move us toward others. If we're not willing to overcome some of these other obstacles, we go, ah, it's too hard, it's too awkward, it's too... We are probably lacking compassion. To look at those that we would, we would say, like, theologically, they're destined for hell without the good news of Jesus, and to not do anything about it, is a lack of compassion. I don't really care about their circumstances. They're going to lose everything and I'm not willing to risk anything to help them. That is a lack of compassion in our hearts. I I don't believe that anyone in here would look at their neighbor and say these words to hell with them. But yet how many of us by our actions are saying exactly that? The things they're going through are just hard and heavy and they can't bear the weight of it or they just lost someone or whatever it may be and we just kind of go, yeah, I hope somebody does something. Hope they figure something out. We have been given the words of life and it was the compassion of Jesus that moved him toward people, toward those that needed the good news and it's the compassion of Jesus that will move us if our hearts are not naturally pulled in that direction, if we're not broken over what we see, and we have this desire, even if we're going, man, I, I don't know exactly how to help, I don't know exactly what to say, but I have to move and do something. That's the compassion of Jesus moving in us. And if that's not present, something's missing. Again, Tom Rainer, in that same book, Sharing the Gospel with Ease, says, when we are apathetic about sharing the gospel, when we lack faith in God, we don't really believe. He will lead us, or excuse me, we don't really believe. He will lead us into greater areas than we've ever known. We somehow believe that remaining silent about our faith will lead us to a more fulfilling life than being ready to speak for Jesus. We think we got this thing figured out. Jesus is calling us to share the good news with anyone that will listen with with patience and compassion and grace and love. But if we're honest, we think I'll actually be happier if I just sit quiet. Maybe somebody else will come along and do something with them. Hopefully it's not my job. It's better for me to just sit quiet than to do what the king has obviously commanded. We don't trust Jesus. And so we don't have his heart and we aren't moved to do the same thing. Does this make sense, church? So what now? In the coming weeks, we're gonna look at some, I hope, very practical ways to begin to overcome some of these obstacles. We're gonna look at some different models for how to share the gospel, what to say, and how to kind of get into some of the conversations, and we'll address some of those things. I wanna give you some practical tools but I believe where we need to start is where most things need to start, with prayer. All of these obstacles, what, what most of them have in common is there's something inside us. It's, it's not something someone else can fix or culture can just change and all of a sudden, no problem. It's, they're all something inside of me, my heart and my head. And I believe that prayer is where we need to start if we're really going to move into becoming the kind of people that God has called us to be. We need to ask God to change the lens with which we view the world so we can see it like he sees it and that we can move like he would move. So let me give you some ways to pray. For these first three, a lack of clarity, confidence, or calling, prayers for commitment. Whether it's, okay, I'm not clear on exactly what the gospel is and like I know I should and I kind of want to, but I don't know what to say, then commit here today I'm going to read a couple books that, that talk about how to share the gospel. I'm going to talk with some people who naturally do this. Maybe the people that shared the gospel with me, and I'm going to go, hey, will you help me to get better at this? I know I'm supposed to do it, but I, I don't have confidence because I'm not sure exactly what to say. W- would you show me? A couple books that could be really helpful to you. Last year, I preached through some of the ideas in this book called God Space. Space by Doug Pollock. Uh, He works with Athletes in Action. Not an incredibly thick book. Definitely not a difficult read. Really, really practical book. Commit to getting some resources to go, I have to get my head around what this gospel thing really is, about my call to share. Sharing the Gospel with Ease by Tom Rainier that I've read a couple passages from today. Again, Not a thick book. Definitely not like a heavy theological read. They're both really practical resources. So if you're looking and going, that's my issue. I I don't have clarity. I don't have confidence. Or you know what? Like, am I really called to do this? Like, hearing me say it is one thing, but like, is that really what the scriptures say? These make those arguments. So commit to read something to get a better understanding. If the problem is with your head, that's what's stopping me. What are you going to do to change the way you think? These are a few resources, but there's more. But would you pray prayers of commitment? God, I want to move in the direction you're calling me to move. And so this month, I'm going to pick up a book. I'm going to pick up the phone, whatever it might be. I'm going to get some help so that I know what it is to share the gospel. Does that make sense, church? None of you? Yes. There it comes these are bright lights. I need words. I can't see faces too well. If you find yourself in the fourth one, that lack of conviction, pray for belief. Again, Tom Rainier says, so how do we find the people we're supposed to reach? And and how, what do we say to them? And how do we spend time together without trying to be trite or flippant? I would simply say, trust God. If you ask God for opportunities, if you include that prayer as a regular part of your prayer time with him, I have full confidence he will take care of the connecting you with lost people. The context will make sense, the conversation will be natural, and you will share the gospel with ease. But take the first step. Tell God you are willing to be one of those workers in the harvest field, then see what he will do. Lord, I lack belief. You say the harvest is ready, and quite frankly, I struggle to see it. I choose to believe that your word is true. Now, would you begin to open doors? Would you begin to show me who and when and how? I struggle to believe. Lord, like I, the man who, who brought his son to Jesus to be healed, and he said, Jesus, if there's anything you can do, and Jesus said, if there's anything, and the man said, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Jesus threw rocks at him and kicked him out, right? Right? No, Jesus said, that's the kind of faith I'm talking about. And the man saw a miracle, and his son was healed. We can pray that same prayer. Lord, I know in my head that your word is true. I believe it. In my heart, I'm struggling. Help me in my unbelief. That is a prayer that I believe God will always answer. If you suffer like I do from a lack of courage, pray for boldness. The Apostle Paul, one of the boldest guys you will ever find in Scripture, regularly asked for boldness. In Ephesians chapter 6, he's already in prison because he was so bold it got him arrested. And here's his prayer. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mysteries of his gospel. For this, for this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Lord, I know what I'm supposed to say, but when that time comes, I'm scared. Would you give me boldness? Would you make the opportunities so clear I can't just walk past them and give me the boldness to step through the door when it's opened? If the Apostle Paul needed it, you better believe we need it. And finally, the last one, a lack of compassion. Pray for brokenness. Jesus says a broken and contrite heart the Lord will not reject. Or it says that in the Psalms, I should say if we lack compassion, we've hardened our hearts. We, we've kind of built a wall because it's hard to look at people that are suffering and struggling. We, we feel like we should do something, but when we don't want to, what we do is we put up a wall and we just go, somebody else's problem. They should figure it out. They shouldn't have dug themselves into the hole that they dug themselves into. Not my problem. Jesus had a broken heart for people. And his compassion moved him. If, if you struggle with compassion for people, pray for brokenness. Lord, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? May I see people like you did, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Not that jerk that cut me off. Or that person that shouldn't have done that thing in the first place. May I see them like you are. Doing the best they can with what they have and failing miserably. They need help. Again, come back to this passage in Matthew 9. Then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion on them because they were weary and worn out. This is the people you work with, live with, your neighbors. They are weary and they are worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. It's not, oh, it's so dark, light could never penetrate it. He goes, there is so much need, people are starving for the hope that you have to offer. They are so weary and worn out, they're trying everything they can and it's failing them. Go offer them the good news of the kingdom and see what happens. Again, Tom Rainer in this book, Sharing the Gospel with Ease. It's simple but powerful. Jesus commands us to go, and he gives us everything we need. Any barrier in our hearts and minds is there because we lack faith, and it's time to end the excuses. It's time to stop focusing on the barriers. It's time to claim the promises of Jesus' power and presence. It's time to stop focusing on what we cannot do and start looking at what Jesus can do. This is what we're called to do, church, to set down the excuses and to go, Lord, you come and have your way. You move in power. You open the doors. You give me the boldness. Would you give me a broken heart for them? And as you lead, I'm going to follow. There is no one so lost that he can't find them. There is no broken. There is no one so broken he can't heal them. There is no one so so dirty that he can't clean them. There's nothing he can't do. And if we will begin to set our eyes on that, we will see the world and those around us in a very different light. And we will begin to be filled with hope for what God could and will do in their life. And hell better watch out when that happens, church. So what I want to do now, I'm going to ask the music team to come up. And as we sing this last song... I want to enter into a time of repentance and prayer. Chris, could you put those six obstacles up there for me? The one, uh, the obstacles and the prayer for each of them. One of the last slides. What I want to do is as we sing this song, maybe as I was going through this, one of them kind of stuck with you and you went, that's the one. That's the one that I trip over regularly. Maybe you're going, okay, I don't evangelize, but like I'm not even sure why. Wherever you may be, this is the time for repentance. Repentance, not just going, oops, sorry, God, but literally it's that desire. I want to turn from the, the path I'm currently on to the path he's called me to. So Lord, I repent. I don't have compassion for people. I, I'm not convinced that it's just important enough to risk it, to share the gospel with people. Lord, I haven't done the work to really understand what the gospel is. I was just hoping somebody else would do it for me. I repent. I am sorry. Lord, now would you come and would you move? Would you give me the commitment needed to move forward in this? Lord, help me in my unbelief. Give me boldness. Break my heart for the things that break yours. Whatever it is, as we sing this last song, would you just have this time of repentance and prayer, whatever the Lord has placed on your heart, and listen, sometimes you can do this right where you're sitting. Sometimes it's helpful to have a physical response too. If you need to come up here to these steps to pray with the Lord, then please come and do it. And I'm gonna say this, church, it always breaks my heart to see somebody up here alone. If if a friend of yours has come up here, come and join them and pray with them. Let's take this time to repent, to stop walking down the path we've been on, and to change our hearts toward Him, to move into His direction with the call that we've all been given. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, may your kingdom come and your will be done in and through this body of believers, Lord Jesus. If there are those areas where we've not picked up the tools we need, where we, where we don't believe your word, where we've hardened our hearts, whatever it may be, would you through your Holy Spirit bring loving conviction You never convict to hurt us. You never convict to weigh us down. You convict because what we're doing is walking toward death and you're calling us toward life. So would you move us in that direction? And God, may we rejoice as we see your spirit move. Lord, as I pray for this year, 2023, as we see new believers coming into the body because they've heard and received the good news of the king, because they've had experiences with Jesus that change everything. May we rejoice as you continue to build your church and we partner with you, God, as your followers. So come and do your work here, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So take time now with the Lord.